Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRAR. I'm Alex Gehring. And I'm Bobby Howe. What's going on, Alex? It's been so long since I've seen you. I've missed you for the last seven minutes. For the last... So, Bobby always throws me for a loop because we... In case you haven't figured it out, we do record some of these episodes in bulk. And so sometimes we have a like a few minute break in between episodes. And then she looks at me and says, how are you doing? And it does throw me off guard a little bit. Because you're like, I just told you seven minutes ago how I'm doing. But how are you doing this seven minutes compared to the last seven doing minutes? Doing fine. I'm more caffeinated than I was before. So that's, that's good. good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Caffeine is usually a good thing for me. Yeah. Usually. I'm missing um, the sugar in my caffeine right now. And it's really, really sad. Because remember, we, we talked about on the last episode that I really like coffee with my cream and my sugar as opposed to cream and sugar in my coffee. And I just started today. a. Um, it's called the 10-Day No Sugar, No Carb Challenge. It's apparently a thing J-Lo and A-Rod are doing. J-Lo and A-Rod. I know, right? It's almost embarrassing to admit that part. Um, but yeah, apparently she posted about her on her Instagram, and now like it's the rage. And like apparently you, you go on for 10 days, okay. off for five days, on for 10, off for five. I don't know how long you do this. I feel like I'm going to go on for 10. What are you doing for the 10 days? I'm no sugar, no carbs. So that means I'm- No sugar, no carbs. No sugar, no carbs. And that's naturally occurring sugars and added sugars. Yes. And including artificial sweeteners. Oh, So when I did uh, keto before, like artificial sweeteners were totally okay. Yeah, stevia and everything. Yes. No, this one, there's none of that. So it's really just leafy greens, uh, bell peppers, avocados, cucumbers, meats, um, I can have berries, so I can have strawberries, blueberries, raspberries. Okay. Um, and then nuts, on those I can have five... nuts, but I can't have fruits. I can't really have um, sweet potatoes. No dairy. No alcohol. No. Oh. Yeah, I know. For 10 days. Oh, how are you Thank God sell we're real recording estate? this. I know. <laughs> Thank God we're recording this now and not at the end of day 10 because, whoo. Well, yeah. so, but for the five days, you just go to Majano's and binge on Italian food? I haven't what seen do do? what happens for those five days that you're off. I'm assuming maybe they allow in some, like, naturally occurring carbs and things like oh, that. Oh, I see. Um, but, you know, they just announced President Circle for next year, and it's in next February. It's going to be in Miami, South Beach. So I figure I probably need a good nine, ten months to get up to this wearing a bikini on South Beach. I still don't even know that's going to happen. It's probably going to be a one piece with a cover up and full on brash guard all the way, you know, <laughs> sort of thing. Like totally intimidated by that. When we went to Atlantis two years ago to the Bahamas, that's fine. There's a bunch of families. There's moms running around. We're it okay. Is what it is, it is what it is. But it's South, South Beach. That's ah, a totally different thing. <laughs> But here's the thing is I used to be much larger than I am now. And so, like, I always thought, what, you know, I, I used to be, like, 190, um, lost the weight about 10 years ago, and I've managed to mostly keep it off um, since then. But the thing is when I look in the mirror, I still see the old person, as I always thought. Because I always go, everybody's, oh, if you lose weight, you know, you can just wear whatever you want to. You can just walk into a store and just wear whatever clothing. No, that doesn't even work no matter what weight you are. And I think I still spend a lot of time looking in mirrors going, seeing old Bobby, not – New Bobby. So it's no, like, such a real thing. Uh, right. Though, is it body But I mean, dysphoria? you've always been skinny though, right, Alex? I have not. So um, come my sophomore year of college. I After uh, freshman 15? After, it was more like a freshman <laughs> 50. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I, I was about uh, 240 pounds. I can't even imagine that. Uh, there, You can find pictures somewhere, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Um, 
and you know people are gonna be running to the Googles. Now. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Careful. Fat Alex Garing. Fat Alex Garing. No. Um, and that's so, a new Instagram hashtag. <laughs> it was one of those things where I eventually felt I I could feel myself just not having enough energy anymore. Mm-hmm. And I've always been super busy. Like right. that's like I I pack my day in, and I was packing the calories in as well, <laughs> and so. Eventually, I started, and I always worked out a lot. I always mm-hmm. lifted a lot, and that was always my justification. Like, I've got to eat like an idiot so that I can get my gains. Right. It was dumb. Get your gains. Get my I gains. Love it. Yeah, yeah. At one point, my biceps were 16 and a half inches around. Wow. Yeah, no longer. These are these are pretty thin anymore. Right. Little- but yeah, so anyway... Um, I, I continued my workout regimen, but I went on keto for a while. Okay. And keto worked really, really well. Mm-hmm. I did it for probably too long, and I started to feel really sick on keto. Oh, um, Started yeah. feeling uh, just eating all of that fat. You can go overboard with that. Yeah. I mean, you just can. Um, and eventually, when you're going to Quick Trip and eating one of their country sausages, because that is the healthiest, most accessible option for you in the moment. Right. That is horrible. Yeah. And you are fooling yourself into thinking that you're being healthy at that's that point. That's a diet, Or right. if you're eating deli meat and cheddar. Mm-hmm. Like, like and, and you're like, oh. No? Like, it's just eating ham and cheddar all the time. Like, you are not doing yourself any favors at that point or your arteries yeah, or your arteries <laughs> although i mean i mean the thing is i would check my cholesterol and everything would always be fine, fine. which was insane right to me I, I couldn't comprehend it but nonetheless i felt horrible so uh eventually i got just into calorie restriction and paying attention right. to that kind of stuff and that's how i've mostly stayed stable this winter was really hard for me though yeah it's, it was a rough winter for it me it was too. a rough winter we did we did keto about a year ago and i remember my very first meal that i made was a meatloaf that was stuffed with a brick of Velveeta cheese with bacon on top of it. And we sat down and I served it. And my husband's like, this is not diet food. And I was like, you better believe it's diet food. It is now. That's right. It's amazing. No, we would. And my wife did a little bit of it with me. I mean, we would would weave bacon together. We'd probably buy like $15, like two packs of bacon, you know, and thick cut. Right. Yeah, like the good stuff, Mm -hmm. you know. The bacon and that's got its gains. That's right. The the bacon gains. And we would weave this bacon together and put it in the oven mm-hmm. and bake it into a crust. It was Ooh. crazy good. Amber just gagged a little bit. No, that's yeah. okay. It's fine. Uh, yeah, I noticed it. And then we would put, uh, you know, the, all of the usual pizza fixings on yeah. it. And I mean, it was amazing. I never did the bacon crust pizza, but I did the chicken crust pizza where you take the canned chicken, you take uh, an egg and you take some Parmesan cheese and you mix it together. You roll it out flat and then you put your pizza toppings on and bake it. So you got the chicken and the, the, the yeah. your favorite was with pepperoni on top. Oof. Yeah. And the grease is just pouring out of it. And you're like, diet food. <laughs> you're like, oh, grease. Yay. Yay. That's the best part of keto is that like, you just get to eat all of the fats. Yet that catches up with you at some point. So there you know, for a while I was doing something called carb backloading. And that one was a little bit better. Oh, so tell me about this. For carb backloading. I would eat much the same way that we're talking about, mm-hmm. but um, I wouldn't eat breakfast, and I would have like you know coconut oil in my coffee and mm-hmm. like MCT oh, oil, oh, man. Oh yeah, oh, get, yeah. Get, get my multi-chain triglycerides in. Right, and just, like, it was like ridiculous. Yeah, I was. A, I thought I was a meathead, and so then 
Um, I'm sorry, after, the opera and the meathead just do not go together in my brain. They do, though. It's <laughs> actually, a, it's a... Thing? Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, there's actually some unhealthy okay. things. Actually, you know what? I would believe that now that you're world. saying yeah. that, just because it's so... Uh, looks based oh, yeah. in addition to other unless you're the old fat lady no there there's a everybody's ton of body yeah, dysphoria shaming. and everything and in, yeah. in, in the opera world right. it's just it's rampant yeah. um but after you would work out if mm-hmm. you worked out that day mm-hmm. an hour after your workout you had this window where you could just eat all the food and so i would go i would i would work out i would have like this crazy good workout right and i would go and i would go to like 23rd Street Brewery. I went to school at KU. Uh-huh. And I go to 23rd Street Brewery, and they had this thing called the Bill Self. And it would be the it'd be macaroni and cheese, like a massive bowl okay. of macaroni and cheese with fried buffalo chicken on top of it. I need to try this now. It was the most ridiculously amazing thing. And I would have that like at least once a week. I mean, amazing. and just, and mm-hmm. I'd work out and I'd run and go eat a Bill Self. And Okay, that's just a weird sentence in and of itself, um, it's, it's, still self. Right. Um, and this is horrible that we're having this conversation on day one of my 10 no sugar, no carb diet because I'm like, well, that sounds amazing because over the weekend, I would have tried that because over the weekend, we had the uh, Minsky's Joe's mm. barbecue pizza. Me too. Yes. Oh. Did you put the pickles on it? I did. Yeah. I did. It was so good. It was so good. It was actually on Friday. It was amazing. It was really amazing. I think I still have some left over in my house. So last night is my final meal before um, starting all of this. I made um, white chicken enchiladas, which I haven't made in probably, God, at least five years. And then, like, there's a whole pan left over of them. And they were so good. And I'm just, like, staring at them going, but now he just gets to eat them as leftovers. I can't have Oh, is he not them. doing it with you? No. See, that's impossible at our he, house. He did keto with me. He normally does paleo with me, but he's like, I'm not going no sugar, no carb. And I was like, that's fine. I will do this all alone. Bum is so. he going to go to South Beach with you? Probably. His, <laughs> his give a, you know, they're zero. It's okay. It's It's fine. Plus, this is that time of the year that he's, you know, um, lawn care, irrigation. He's outside all day oh, moving yeah. around so he can whatever he, he can wants. He just but, do whatever. You know, it's funny. You talked about that, that hour window that you had whenever you were, you know, doing all that. My mom used to be a bodybuilder. Back in 1986, she was Miss Missouri in bodybuilding for the state. And um, the day of competition, she was at 3% body fat. And just an amazing thing. Wow. And I was an eight-year-old kid, and I had my mom in the skinny little bikini with the Savorsky crystals all over it, you know, on stage, dancing to a Beverly Hills Cop song was her sock to her, one of her routines. It was hilarious. <laughs> but I remember when she came off stage that night, she ordered a large pizza. She had, like, the extra large Snickers. Like, she was eating all of the things yeah. because she deprived herself. And now Forever. it was t- – she didn't have, like, a yeah. one-hour window, but it was – Yeah. But I love that that one hour window you had to just put it all oh into you. All right. We probably ought to move forward and not just talk diet for another 30 <laughs> minutes, though I think we probably could between the two of us. We have enough stories to tell. So um, let's see. Uh, do you have a Bobby's book bit? Oh, I do have a Bobby's book bit. Yes, I do. Wow. Do we have a song for that? Do, 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 do Bobby's book bit. I feel like the song changes just a little bit every time. And oh, my it's going to change every time. Yeah, I don't know what it yeah. is. So yeah. it's funny. I did that. So last week I was in Atlanta with my friend Maura. I was staying at her house. She had just moved to a new home. And in the middle of the night, her kitty cat sat outside her bedroom door and just all night long. I was like, poor kitty cat in the hail storm. You are so good at the cat sounds. I know. I had a lot of expertise. You're a cat lady. 
I am not a cat lady. You're not a cat lady. No, we were. So we how do you have expertise? I don't know. It's it's fine. Well, well my son though is, does though. We went to Comic Con, Planet Comic Con yesterday at KCR at the KCR at the with the convention hall thingamajigger, whatever that thing is. And my child got something <laughs> called a tentacle kitty. It's a cat, cat head, octopus body. <laughs> I swear to God, it's on the Facebooks. You can see it. My Chad, my kid has a tentacle kitty. It's cat and octopus. I'm not even making these things up. Is Didn't they legit? make a James Bond movie about they that? They probably I, this did. This is not a living creature. She's not, it's not. Oh yeah, it's not. It's a stuffed animal. I should probably should probably tell you that part. It's not real. It's a stuffed animal. Where is it at? Where is the book of faces? Come on now. This is Tentacle Kitty. His name's oh, Cat Guru. Oh, it's Ca- actually kind of cute. Right? Cthulhu. Cat Guru. That's his name. Cthulhu. Cthulhu. Cat guru. What, cat so guru. what's Cthulhu and what's Cat Guru? <gasps> you don't know about Okay, we're on another episode. We're going to talk about Cthulhu, oh, and we're going to bring Alex into the the fold on Cthulhu. He's like a he's a he's a Loch Ness type character ish type thing, but he's kind of looks a little bit like that. There's, they make a cereal of him. My kid has a couple stuffed animals of him. There's a book. Speaking of books, book bit. <laughs> wow, we are seriously squirreling today. Wow, I don't like not having sugar. It keeps me focused. Anyways, I'm just kidding. So my book bit today, I'm going to do a Cash Flow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki, who also wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, most of you have probably heard of that. You may or may not have heard of Cash Flow Quadrant. So what I love about Cash Flow Quadrant is it's a really good way to characterize who we are in our world as far as employment. So it breaks everything down into a quadrant, which is four squares, in case you were following along at home. And in the upper left-hand corner, it's E for employee. And that just means that you have a job. If you go to the lower left-hand corner, that's an S for self-employed, which means you own a job. And then you move um, over to the upper right-hand corner, and that's a B for business owner, which means you own a system and people work for you. And then you move down to the bottom um, lower right-hand corner, which is I for investor, which means your money works for you. And what Kiyosaki talks about is that over on the left-hand side, your employee, your self-employed, that's where 95% of Americans are in their employment. And over on the right-hand side, your business owner and your investor, that's where 5% of Americans are. But it's also where 95% of Americans' wealth is and only 5% over on the employee, self-employed side. So that if you truly want to have wealth, if you truly want to build legacies, you need to be over on the business owner and investor side. And, you know, too often I talk to realtors and they view themselves as employees of their broker, which makes me want to smack them upside their head, and or they tell me they're self-employed. Sorry, you are a business owner. You are running your own small business. You are an independent contractor of your brokerage. And you need to start viewing yourself not as an employee or self-employed, but as a true business owner. You know, not enough realtors do profit and loss statements. They run budgets. Mm-hmm. They do all those things. We've talked about that in, you know, um, business planning. We had Jen here. Um, however, you need to start viewing yourself as a business owner and understanding that's where true wealth, true freedom, true legacy building comes from. So that's, it's a really powerful book when you sit down and read it. Um, Robert's a pretty smart guy. 
Awesome. Yeah. Very good. Well, what are we talking about today? We're going to bring in a couple of amazing guests, and we're going to talk some new construction today. Oh, boy. It's the spring. Get to building, doing stuff. They're probably happy to be seeing some rain go away after all the flooding and all the other exciting stuff. So we have Rob Ellerman coming in. Uh, He's a realtor. And then we have Sean Woods, and he's the president of the Home Builders Association of Greater Kansas City. And we're just going to have a conversation about new construction. Awesome. Love it. Let's Let's bring them in. Hey, Alex. Hey, Bobby. Do you know why I love KCRER as much as I do? Why? It's because we are just completely customer-oriented association. Did, did you see what just happened just a little bit ago? Mm, remind me. Okay, so so we were between sessions, and Kip Cooper comes walking by, and I'm like, hey, Kip, you got any cake? And he's like, hang on. And he comes back, and he brings me this amazing cupcake with a big gumball on top. Kip! I... Y- you're kind of in trouble with me right now. Right, because you didn't get a cupcake, but you didn't ask for a cupcake. Mm. I did. I should for cake. Ask cupcake. and you shall receive. Exactly. So, you know, we just have an amazing association that supports us in everything that we do. Well, if we want to keep that kind of uh, <laughs> thing up. Right. I, I mean, I feel like we need to make sure that we show our association that we support them. Yes, just like they support us. One a little bit ago, the the professional development committee had asked about a podcast, and uh, and lo and behold, KCRAR has delivered. Um, and so, if you appreciate the podcast and and you feel like you're getting a lot of value out of it, please hit subscribe. Be sure to leave us a five star review if and you like us. If you like us, if you don't like us, don't do anything. Just don't listen. Then right, right. You can always choose not to listen. <laughs> And then we're going to need you to um, follow us on SoundCloud. That would be really awesome if you could do that. And then tell all your friends on your Facebook, your chaps of Snap, your installators, all of those. (laughs) I'm going to need you to go tell everybody all about listening to us and how amazing we are. But if you hate us, again, just pretend like this didn't even happen. (laughs) Right? Sounds great. Subscribe. Now. Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk. Bobby and I are back with Rob Ellerman uh, and Sean Woods, the president of the Home Builders Association of Greater Kansas City. So, gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. We're so excited to have you here. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Rob, you're a realtor, so tell us a little about you, your team, what you specialize in. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have a team, and we've got six offices across the metro area. Uh, actually just did some expansion down in Springfield and Pensacola, Florida. Awesome. So, Florida. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'm really trying to get that one up and running. I got to spend, spend a lot of time there. Uh, yeah. Every week I need to go down there and check yes. on that office. Uh-huh. That's sure. right. Um, yeah. So we, we specialize in everything from new construction to uh, resale. I have a team of about, I think it's, I think we're up to about 90 agents now. Wow. Uh, we're with Reese Nichols and, um, we have, on the new construction side, we probably have 40-ish subdivisions, 25 builders we represent. So, uh, What lot percentage of, lot of, of your going. business is new home construction? Um, so you told me there was no math, I know. actually. Sorry. That was no, him. I'm just <laughs> that was him. <laughs> Roughly. It doesn't have to be Jeez. perfect. No, no. I'm teasing. I've got those numbers for sure. Um, we're still about 35 to 40% on the new construction side. Wow. Yeah, wow. And 60, 65% on the resale. So, yeah. So a, a big chunk of our business is definitely new construction. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. And Rob, how long have you been doing this? 
22 years. Yeah. Same, that's how long I've been licensed. So really? There we go. Yeah. So it. we both awesome. started around, what, 13, 14 I was, years old? It was old? my 18th yeah. birthday. Yeah. So, right. yeah. Uh-huh. Literally <laughs> was my 18th birthday. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. so. yeah, I grew up in the, I grew, I'm second generation. I had no choices. So, yeah, 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 yeah one yeah. of those. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. so it. I was 22. So I was, yeah. a, I was an old yeah, man. Yeah, so you were like the same age. It's fine. Yeah, good. Sean, what about you? Current president of the Home Builders Association. Also uh, have Ashlar Homes here in Kansas City. We mm-hmm. build from Blue Springs to Baser to North Kansas City, uh, all the way down to Spring Hill, Kansas. So uh, lots of building going on uh, right now. But Spring yeah. Hill, Kansas is my neck of the woods. Is it your neck it of the is. woods? Yeah, to yeah. me, that feels like Oklahoma. I'm from Blue Springs. <laughs> so it feels like, you know, you start that drive and you just keep on driving. So. <laughs> So, uh, Sean, how long have you been building houses? And Since 1999, so okay. 20 years. Yeah. Yep. So look at, the, look at all of us. Like, we, we have little Alex wasn't even born yet, and we've all started <laughs> our careers. not yet. Whoa. <laughs> you weren't oh, born yet. I was born <laughs> at least. Barely. What were you I born? was six. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh-huh. So. Oh, moving on. Yeah. He, he's so adorable. That's why we keep him around. It's fine. So. You know, let's just jump right on into it. So Lawrence Yoon, economist for the National Association of Realtors, um, one of his graphs he likes to show at a lot of the different conferences he does is new construction home starts. And historically, if we go back to the 60s, there's typically about a million new home starts per year. However, if we look back at the downturn, I think the the bottom, there was like five to 600,000 new home starts. And now we're back up to about 900,000. So we're still below historic averages. Are we seeing that here in Kansas City? Are we feeling that? What What's going on with new home starts in Kansas City? Uh, for sure. I mean, we were back for the downturn. We we're doing twelve thousand permits. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, today we're we're doing four to five thousand. So we're not even half wow. back to what we were. Now I don't think that twelve thousand is normal for Kansas City. I think probably nine thousand is a good number. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're still like fifty percent of that number. Um, I think a big part of that is we're not uh, building for the lower price points right. like we used to. So, yeah. you know, if we, if we could get that 300 and below or 250 and below going, I think you'd see that number shoot up. But until we get that happening, I don't think we're going to bust five or 6,000 anytime soon. It's so interesting that you say that because a lot of the growth is down in the Spring Hill area. That's where we see a lot of new starts. And, and then we also see it way up North as well. Uh, what do you, why do you think that's where the primary growth is? Do you think it's because of affordability? I think that's some of it. I mean, I think the Spring Hill thing, um, everybody started going down there for affordability, but when they're getting down there, they're having to compete with what's in Overland Park, right. which means you're driving up the amenities that are inside the house. So no longer is it an affordable house. Really. Sure. So, but definitely areas of, you know, North Kansas City, um, some of the fringes of every place, Oak Grove, Grain Valley, things like that, and further west. Um, those are places where guys are able to get down a little bit cheaper in price, but no, yeah. nobody's still even anywhere in that corridor can right. hit 250 consistently, unfortunately. Right. Also, I like that you've heard of way up north as the Northland, except that St. Joe is actually Everybody, way up north. <laughs> you just talked about Spring Hill being uh, like yeah, uh-huh. Oklahoma. I like know. it. It's good. It north <laughs> Joplin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, what are your experiences with the marketplace as far as new home construction yeah. right now? So uh, I agree with Sean on all that stuff. It's that You're the stat guy, right? So right. Um, he's got those down. But what we're seeing is um, on that lower price range, the builders are having a really hard time being able to hit that. And I think part of that is also our government entities that we deal with. Um, we just tried to push through a, a project in Lee Summit that was 225 to 275. And, and the only way you can do that is to put higher density um, in. And, you know, there was some, pu- some public outcry because they just don't understand that higher density doesn't mean it's apartments. It just means it's a smaller single family home with mm-hmm. a two car garage and, mm-hmm. and still going to get great people to buy those homes but 
there's a lot of misinformation out there in the public and with social media today they just roll with it and then you know your council people look at it and say oh there's a lot of public outcry I don't know if we can approve this and yet they all want affordable housing and I think the problem is when we call it affordable housing people freak out like is this you know low income housing right. and we really should call it middle class housing right. um, because really that's who the purchaser is um, you have two teachers, a teacher and a nurse that want to afford a brand new house, and they can only be in that 250 range, 275 maybe, um, why don't we want those people buying homes? Right. I mean, so that's that exactly a, who we want buying homes. That would be a great rebranding uh, of the way that we talk about that, is calling it middle-class housing. Right. Yeah. Would, right. I wish that more people talked about it that way. Yeah. I think as soon as you throw out affordable housing, yeah. the public freaks out. You're right. And, um, and unfortunately, our you know, our council and, and stuff like that, they have, they're, they're voted in by the public. So they're right. looking out for their uh, constituents and, and, you know, they're trying to do the right thing there. And, and they don't, I think, understand and hold that we need them to say, hey, this isn't what you think affordable housing is and you're wrong right. on this and, and move forward. So, so we've had some, some problems there. Now we, we got the same project approved out in Blue Springs. So the council unanimously passed it out there. So you know, it just, we've got to get everybody on board, um, right. in, you know, in the government entities and, and hopefully move forward with that. So, so how do we do that? So th there is this serious juxtaposition, and I love the way you phrase that about affordable housing and how we reframe that because, yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that. And yet this public outcry versus what they think it is versus what it actually is. How, do, I, I don't know that we know that, but how do we solve that? How do we come together? Is it town halls? Is it door knocking how do we go about solving this so that we can actually make some progress where we need to make progress well i think some of it is just them getting approved in blue springs is huge because yeah. now they can get a project up in the air where people can actually see pictures of it they can mm -hmm. go drive it if they want to and they can say oh wow this isn't exactly what i thought it was going to be um but yeah i don't know where that that change yeah. came of all of us that a house you know, in the mid 200s is something we don't want in our, our neck of the woods, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, communities like Blue Springs and, and Lee Summit were built on that type of housing right. and they exploded because of it, because mm -hmm. they had a lot of housing for the people that could actually afford it. And I think the, you know, the Lee Summit one is one that uh, we actually talked to the council a little bit about as well. And they don't understand that if you, you have to get that buyer into your market first, mm -hmm. and then once they put those roots into that community, they will buy the next mm -hmm. $300,000 house, $400,000 yeah. house, four fifty. They're not going to move to lease summit out of nowhere and buy a $500,000 house. That's not right. how that works. So, right. We just actually on our last podcast, we, we um, dealt with people from the diversity committee and talking about fair housing. And we got into a conversation about how um, one of the guests, she bought her first home when she was 18. I bought my first home when I was 20. And just the impact that that has brought into our lives of building into our community. Like I'm rooted in St. Joe. That's where I've always been. That's what I'm always going to do. And how we're not giving these other people opportunities because yeah, do you have to buy a new home? No, but what are the amazing things that come with buying a new home that's yours, that you got to have a say in doing, and the, the things that come along with that, the confidence, the empowerment that comes with that? What do you see from the people who are buying new homes and what it, how it changes their lives? Well, there's a ton of things with buying a new home, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, um, so th there's a lot of people out there that don't want to do the rehab and they don't want to do the uh, upgrades on a kitchen and a bath and and all of that and and I flip some homes as mm -hmm. well and you know there's a lot of people that when I buy that flip they don't want to 
buy that from me and do the work themselves they want to have it all done so that's what a new new home affords i mean they can walk right in you know have a brand new kitchen brand new bath um you know even the the utility factor and the savings that even 10 years ago i mean sean can attest to this stuff i mean so much better and and with windows and and everything that comes along with it the caulking packages and the foam and the utilities are just so much better so um i mean not only do you get your family uh enrooted into a community but you're you're moving into that house brand new it's yours Mm -hmm. and you start there and and, you know we hear a lot of people say you know when they want to sell that house later on down the road like i raised my family here we've been the only family Mm -hmm. in this house and so there's a lot of sentimental value there too so um I, i think that um, I think one thing we've got to do as well is we, we've got to make sure that the agents in Kansas City understand that selling a new home isn't scary. No. I, I hear a lot of agents say, well, I want to set an open house, but I don't want to set on a new house because I don't really understand new construction. And you don't have to understand new construction. Um, Sean will build a house, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> we've, got, we've got builders yeah, we'll that can build it. Um, so they think the contracts are, are so much different, and, and they're really not. And, and the on-site agents usually will walk you through that process. And That's one so, of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Do you, uh, I, I always feel like there is a bit of a disconnect between uh, buyer's agents and, and the agent within a subdivision. Right. What do you call that? Sorry, on-site agent. On-site agent. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> sorry, the word went no, away from uh... me for a second. So, so we we there's always this. I feel like there's a little bit of uh, sometimes there's some friction there. I feel like sometimes a buyer's agent doesn't really understand the process, and sometimes we're we're so used to being in this somewhat competitive environment and not working toward the same goal. Do you feel like that's uh, that's a common issue? And if so, how can we improve it? Right. I think the the resale agent that sells normally resale homes absolutely has that thought process. They, I, I see houses sell all the time in our resale division, and I think you never even showed our new houses in that same price range. Right. And I wonder why that is. And mm-hmm. I think um, because a lot of times if you take a – buyer out to a brand new house they're sold yes. i mean they see all the new stuff and we've got you know plugins that have usb ports in mm-hmm. them and mm-hmm. you know i mean yeah. uh, all the new new fun stuff and the smart home stuff and and yeah. all of that so yeah there's definitely a disconnect there and there shouldn't be mm-hmm. and and that's the one thing i hope that maybe with this podcast we can get it out there that right. you know the new home agents that are on site they want the co-op agents to right. come in and, and they want to help as much as they possibly can um, and a lot of times they will fill out the entire contract go over it with, you know, the agent and their buyer. And really the, the process is, is super seamless right. on that side of it. So sometimes yeah. it's easier than doing resale. It's usually a lot less issues. Yeah. A lot of times yeah. it is easier. So, and, and you know, and, and we've had a ton of situations where an agent will pop in at the last minute and we've had four meetings with the buyer and the builder. And, and many times we're like, you know, Hey, if you want representation, you know, you have the right to that. So bring them in. And so we're very co-op friendly, uh, mm-hmm. on that side of it and uh so agents should definitely not be scared to to come out and see us yeah it, it always made as someone who grew up it's like it's a house is a house like it doesn't matter whether it was brand new or everything is going to have its issues it's all going to have its things it's just a house i'm going to be scared mm-hmm. of it i'm going to become scarcity so so rob you brought it up a little bit but sean tell us like what are some of the new trends in new construction right now what are we seeing I think you're seeing smaller footprints of houses okay. so people are going downsizing a little bit but adding more amenities to them so i mean even even kids that are buying their first house for the first time have lived in an apartment that seems to have granite countertops, stainless mm-hmm. steel appliances, 
some crazy fitness center and all that stuff. And that's what, when they come out to look at a new house, that's kind of what they're expecting. So yeah, smaller, um, better amenities, open floor plans obviously have mm-hmm. been around for probably six, seven, eight years now, which is still, n- nobody wants that cut up house anymore. Right. Um, but we're starting to see too, some uh, multi-generational stuff where either people are buying to live there forever. And so they're looking for something that they may be buying it at 30, 40 years old, but they're looking to live there till they're 70. So they want to mm-hmm. make sure that it's uh, large open doorways, um, you know, different handicap accessible things. Uh, but also a lot of, uh, you know, parents moving back in with them, uh, parent may live in the basement or the main floor and the, the main uh, family unit may live in the basement. So uh, a lot of multi-generational stuff going on as well. What are some of those favorite, uh, favorite amenities that are going in right now? You, you mentioned the granite, you mentioned the, um, Smart outlets home. with the USB. Um, what are, what are some of the favorite things that are, people are, you know, people are known for if they do a custom built home, there's going to be overages. That we're gonna go over. So, what are those things that they're just going a little over on right now? Um, it's granite has changed to quartz. Okay. So granite's kind of out the door. Quartz is in now. Um, you know, everything's changed from taupes and browns to grays. Mm-hmm. Uh, cabinets are painted usually whites or grays now instead of uh, stained, uh, which they were a few years ago. Which give it about five more years, and that'll all change uh-huh. full circle back. Um, <laughs> they keep telling me brass is coming back. Brass, I'm fighting uh, that. Brass has been I'm back a little it. bit. Fight that hard. Light oh. fixtures have all. Can of you sudden... guys do something about that? No. <laughs> And it's actually not really a brass. No, it's, it's like a gold. gold. Uh, yeah, it's more yeah, of a, a yeah, gold. It's more ornate. Um, yeah. I don't. I still don't necessarily disagree with you. But, uh, <laughs> it's not brass. It's not okay. brass. Yeah, I like yeah. my chrome, especially with the grays. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, light fixtures have become the bling inside the house now, which didn't used to be the big d- d- big deal. But light fixtures make a huge statement. Um, so yeah, lots of lots of little upgrades you can do to the house. And you know, even if you're buying a, a house that's used, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a lot of the things that people are going in and making changes on. Are you seeing more home theaters, more fitness rooms, more things like that? People are going and adding or making sure they have space to do? I don't do large custom homes. I'm okay. sure in the large custom home market, that is it. Um, in our market, we're seeing more you know, desires for an extra bedroom that mm-hmm. may be an office, it may be a fitness room. It, it just has all kinds of multi-purpose mm-hmm. that they can use it for. So something that they can transition Flex in and room. out. Yep. Got it. Yeah. Flex space. Cool. So, Sean, tell us a little bit about what the Home Builders Association does and who you guys advocate for and that kind of thing. So we try to be the voice of the housing industry um, to our members, but also to the public. So um, we like to advocate for, you know, laws that are um, in home building favor, whatever they are, whether it be for a developer to not have stream setbacks quite as stringent so that they can get more production out of the land to be more efficient. Um, right now we're trying to pass a bill in the state of Missouri to just make a consistent process on a permit across the board. So no matter what city you go into, it's the same amount of time that they have sure. to review that permit and make it available. Um, but yeah, we advocate for the home builder on any issue they have in any municipality, which in Kansas City is kind of crazy because there's almost 30 to 40 municipalities that pull more than 50 building permits. So we're tracking a lot of municipalities and issues in different municipalities and things like that. So. Um, and ultimately, how does that trickle down to being advocacy for the consumer? Hopefully savings for the consumer sure. and a better built home. I mean, there's a lot of things that we've introduced into houses, like Rob was saying, in the last five to ten years that are making them more energy efficient. Um, they're tighter. They're, you know, there's not near as much air exchange as there used to be in the houses. So uh, utility bills are coming down. Um, but a lot of times, too, you get things that are getting thrown into the codes that are going to increase the price, and they have no bearing on making the house safer nor better to live in. So those are things we fight against to it say, look. It doesn't help with resale value either. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right, right. I mean, it's something that you're pushing people out of the market. They can't afford 
afford the home anymore because you're adding these safety features that really there's been no evidence that there's been a safety problem with. So uh, most of the time for the home, the home consumer, it's going to be hopefully lower pricing, a better built home, uh, hopefully a faster built home with like this permitting issue. So mm -hmm. all kinds of issues. Compared to the rest of the country, where is Kansas City on that spectrum? Do, are we more... Uh, are we more restricted? Do we have more codes to enforce? Or are we about on par with everybody else? I'd say we're about on par unless you started looking at something east or west coast, like extreme, you know, California, something like that. I'd say we're right in there. Um, seems like most of our guys are on a six-year code cycle, so we're on the 2012 right now. Everybody's getting ready to update to 2018. And most municipalities across the country have gone to the IRC of some sort, um, and they're on that about six-year rotation because it's a pretty big endeavor to update your codes. Sure. We didn't talk about yet. What parade of homes? Oh. Tell me more about parade of homes. What we got going on? When is it? What's going on? Uh, you're gonna put me on the spot here. I know it starts. April, <laughs> it starts April 27th. I know that much. And, it and runs, this, this runs episode three comes weekends. out April 24th. Oh, so we're gonna be setting up people to go out and whatever. So it's starting this weekend. How many entries do we have? 403 wow. entries. So that's that's up from last year considerably. So okay. plenty of homes to go to her. Um, how far north is the parade and how far south is the parade? Like geographically, it's like, it's like, it's like a, parade. Yeah, like this it. is worth the math test. It, it goes, oh, it goes to the Northland and the Southland. And it goes to the Southland. St. Joe has their own parade. Thank you very much. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I knew that. Yeah, we got our own parade of homes up there. That's cool. Well, I just like figured 20. it was like, I didn't know if it was like the same St. Joe parade. has houses. We have new construction in St. Joe. I knew that. We don't live oh, under roads. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> anything special about the parade of homes this year? Um, I don't know if there's anything new and special. It's just uh, lots of price ranges. So like we've talked mm -hmm. about differing price ranges. I know we go from anywhere from the low 200s to well over a million. So yeah. no matter what you're looking for, there's a house out there that you can find it. Um, and it's a great time to go out and just check out what's new. I mean, like we yeah. talked about earlier, some of the new amenities. I mean, all those houses are going to have those new amenities in them where you can, you know, take a weekend, take a couple weekends and go tour probably 50 to 60 houses and see everything you could want to see under the sun, I think. You know, as, as realtors, we always get annoyed by the people that are just looky-loos. They just want to go look at houses <laughs> to see what they should be doing in their own house. This is exactly what Parade of Homes is built for. <laughs> go look through there. Maybe you'll end up discovering you need to buy a new home. However, this is where you get your Pinterest ideas and all of that is go be a looky-loo at the Parade of Homes. You're not putting anyone out. That's you're making true. everyone excited. That's, that's my favorite thing to go do is go see what, what do I need to add to my house? What am I not doing? That being said, do we sell more homes during the Parade of Homes? I don't typically. I don't know what your experience is, but normally a few weeks after you'll start to see a kick up in sales. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. We always say two to three weeks after you really mm -hmm. start seeing the sales. But um, but there's a lot of people that are in the marketplace two years from now that you know went through their first parade right. a couple of years right. ago. So um, you know we tell our agents those are those are good leads and and from an agent perspective your clients going out looking. Yeah. <laughs> oh so, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. They're you, there. You need to you need to make sure that you know they have your cards in hand and if if they really get serious about something to you know, hand off the card, but, um, yeah, they're definitely out looking. So it's a great way to drive traffic for sure. Yeah. But it gets that conversation started in even their own head or with their spouse or significant other of what would it be like if we someday did that? And then usually what we discover is that, oh, in four years we'll do that. But like you said, in two years, they're going to do it. Whatever timeline they give you, typically you can cut that in half and you got to be right there at that right time, card in hand, so that they know that you're the reason why they need to be doing that. <laughs> right, so. right, right, right. 
Well, guys, it's been a pleasure. You did a great job. So thanks yeah. for coming in. Thanks and for having us. Thanks for yeah. being Thank on. Thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your day and coming all the way over here to the Johnson County for this. From <laughs> yeah, We teasing. know you're both busy guys. So you got to get so back much. to Florida. So. That's, That's right. right. Yeah, exactly. Better go check on <laughs> <laughs> Thank thanks, you. Guys. All right. Thank you.